0: In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Hi, I'm Zach. Uh, Let me first say thank you to Bishop Benfield for the warm welcome into the Diocese of Arkansas. I actually grew up within the bounds of this diocese. Uh, But I regret that the one true church did not find me until I was off to college in Illinois. So it's an extra special treat for me today to be for the first time among God's doubly elect. That is Episcopalians who know how to call the hogs. (laughs) Let me also, in return, offer to you greetings from the Diocese of Texas, where I serve, from my bishop, Bishop Andy Doyle, and all your Anglican brothers and sisters that reside there under, under his care. If the, if the statistics released every year about church attendance and membership tell us anything, it's that every year there are fewer and fewer Episcopalians in the world, so we best stick together and be kind to one another when God grants us the opportunity. Though I should say, too, by way of parenthesis, that these statistics, which are sobering to many, do not bother me at all. Remember, Jesus only needed 12. And finally, let me say thank you to Brandon for inviting me to preach today. It is one of the distinct honors of my life and ministry to do so. You all have by now, I would guess, some understanding of just how fortunate you are to have him here, but I would suggest to you that whatever inkling you have now is but the tip of the iceberg. You have amongst you a brave man of deep integrity, someone who takes his vocation very seriously without taking himself too seriously. And that's a recipe, I might add, that has gifted him with a good and even theologically sophisticated sense of humor. When I first met Brandon, I knew him right away to be someone who chased earnestly after justice. And as I got to know him better, I saw more and more that what fuels this relentless pursuit of his is a deep love for people and an even deeper love for God. I'm happy to say that I have learned much from Brandon and he has had no small part in making me who I am as a priest today. But enough for introduction and sentimentality. Let's talk about what we're here to do today. What are we here to do today? We are here to witness God and God's church make a priest. What is a priest? Well, as far as I'm concerned, that is a question about which there is a great deal of confusion. So I thought I'd spend just a few minutes trying to clear some of that up, for your sake and for Brandon's. Best for this relationship to get off on the right foot with clear expectations on both sides, don't you think? Perhaps better to start with what a priest is not. For starters, a priest is not special. A priest simply by being a priest does not imply that they are a better person than the rest of you or more holy than the rest of you. A priest is not a super-Christian. A priest is not a saint. A priest does not have privileged access to God through a secret phone line that we don't tell lay people about. A priest is not someone, and I get this one a lot, who can control the weather. A priest is none of these things. Instead, a priest is merely this, someone set aside by a spiritual community to administer a certain set of practices that help facilitate that community's relationship with God. Let me say that again. A priest is someone set aside by a spiritual community to administer a certain set of practices that help facilitate that community's relationship with God. You with me? In the main, those practices are called sacraments. Consider the clothes that a priest wears. You may think that these fancy flowing robes that we wear, and I should add Brandon wears fancier and more flowier than most (laughs) priests I know. You may think that these fancy robes we wear are meant to indicate that we are special, but let me assure you quite the opposite is the case. These fancy clothes we wear are meant to make us blend in We wear them so we match the decorations. Vestments make a priest quite literally part of the furniture of worship. What is the furniture of worship for? Well, what is any furniture for? It's here to facilitate relationship. In this case, it's here to help you meet and know God. A priest is here to be the furniture for your weekly chat with the Almighty. Here's a related metaphor. If you think of this up here as a stage, it would be tempting to think of the clergy as the actors on that stage. But it's better to think of your priests as the backstage crew. Because the real performers in worship are you brothers and sisters of St. Peter's, you are the actors on the stage. This is why Anglican worship is so active, so choreographed, so much standing up, sitting down, crossing oneself, handshaking, kneeling, eating, and drinking. We are here to make sure that you hit your marks because the other actor on the stage is God and you don't want to miss him. The priests are here, did you notice the verb that I used, to administer, to administrate the sacraments, which is to say, compared to what you all are doing, what the priests do are boring. The priests are the ones pulling the curtains, changing the backdrop, setting the table, making sure everything is in its proper place so you can take your part in the drama without distraction. You are the star's. Your clergy are merely the administrative support staff. They work to arrange the light so that you and God can see one another clearly and play together beautifully in the spectacle of each Sunday liturgy. Of course, priests do more than administer the sacraments. They also engage in pastoral care, This is something, if you don't know by now, that Brandon is particularly gifted in. So all the more reason to avoid misconceptions then. Listen carefully now. Another thing a priest is not is a therapist. I need you to nod your head on this one. They are not equipped by virtue of their priesthood to offer advice about the hero's journey, about your shadow self, about Jungian archetypes, much as Episcopal clergy love that stuff. (laughs) A priest is also not, and this one is always unpopular, a priest is also not necessarily your friend. is not to say that friendship with a priest is not possible. It's just to say that it's not a necessary component for you to receive the very best of their pastoral care. People always say to me, I know you're very busy, and I didn't want to bother you with my problems. Two things. For one, in my experience, priests are never as busy as you think they are. And two, we always want to know. We always want you to call. That is what we're here for. With regard to pastoral care, it's better to think of a priest as the janitorial service. They are those who work behind the scenes when no one else is around or aware even occasionally when the rest of the world is asleep, to do the work of cleaning. And they clean not surfaces, but souls. They attend to the dirt and dust that much of the world ignores is even there at all. They attend to sin, to regret, to shame and fear. The priest attends to sadness, to secrets, to anxiety and despair. They attend to death. And their tools for this work are not brush and broom, but instead prayer and the power of touch. They are oil and the seal of the confessional, the declaration of God's forgiveness and encouraging words of love and grace. These are the tools entrusted to a priest through which God takes what is dirty and makes it new again. God uses priests to transform sin into wisdom. Again, just for Brandon, a special note on clothing. To wear a clerical collar is to say to the world around you that there is nothing you cannot share with me. There is nothing you can't trust me with, nothing that will take me out of my depth. There is no pile of garbage too high, no amount of clutter in your soul that I can't take. Which is to say, and here's some practical advice, don't wear your collar on an airplane. unless you're prepared for the passenger in 32B to unload all of their trash. A priest is also a preacher. But by this point in the sermon, you'll not be surprised to learn that here, too, I have some complaints. What a priest is not is a motivational speaker A priest is not a spiritual coach or a self-care guru here to help you find your bliss, no. A priest is instead someone whose lips have been singed by a burning coal, a prophet commissioned by God to deliver news not of their own choosing. The priest is a herald. And the difference comes down to this. A priest is someone set aside to tell you the truth. And the truth, as you may have discovered somewhere along the way in this life, is not always so easy for us to hear. So I'd ask you, the people of St. Peter's, for Brandon's sake, to remember that famous advice. Do not shoot the messenger. That is, if you hear a sermon you don't like in this place, it might be a good idea to first ask yourself, am I mad at the preacher or am I mad at God? Because let me tell you a little secret. Telling the truth is not always our first preference either. It would be so much easier if all we were called to do is to step into the pulpit and butter you up every single Sunday and then send you on your way. But a priest, alas, is a herald under authority, under the authority of Scripture, under the authority of a bishop, and under the authority of God. Each week the preacher puts themselves at the feet of, of those sources of authority, a servant of the text, a servant of the apostolic tradition handed down through the laying on of hands, and a servant of God. And then the priest prays. And the priest discerns what the Spirit is saying. The priest discerns the truth. And then comes the most difficult part. Then the priest, having discerned the truth, then holds the people of their parish in their heart and asks themselves a very difficult question. How much truth can these people handle this week? And then with fear and trembling, they preach. you keeping track of our metaphors so far? Just a little check-in moment. We have the priest as furniture, priest as a member of the backstage crew and the janitorial service. We have the priest as God's herald of truth. I have just one more to share. And that's the most well-trod and cherished of all metaphors we use when speaking of our pastors. That is the priest as shepherd. Forget not our gospel reading from today. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The distinction to keep in mind here may be obvious, but it is important and worth saying. There is only one good shepherd, and it's not Brandon. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, our great high priest, our one and only good shepherd. Jesus is the one who lays down his life for us. Which is not to say, by the way, that your priests don't bear wounds on your behalf. But it's Jesus who is the one who takes upon himself all of our shame. It's Jesus who is the one who wins for us everlasting life. Jesus is the one on whom we place all our hope. A priest is not the good shepherd. But a priest still is a shepherd. A priest, shall we say, is a shepherd who is trying to be good. And the trying to be good part is no different than any other baptized Christian. A priest is someone who, like every other Christian, is committed to trying to shape their life after the life of Christ. And just like every other Christian, Brandon will make mistakes. And those will be opportunities for you to show him grace in return. But the shepherd part is that the priest is committed to that pursuit, that pursuit of following after Christ, while also being committed to helping others along the way, to help others on that same journey. To paraphrase St. Augustine, who said, For you, I am a priest. With you, I am a Christian." Today, part of what's happening is that Brandon's life as a disciple and Brandon's vocation as a priest, two strands that have for a long time in his life been running parallel to one another, are fully and finally becoming one. The way that Brandon will continue to follow after the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, is by becoming a shepherd himself but not in such a way that he ever ceases to be also a sheep. He's like some kind of sheep-shepherd hybrid. He's like Mr. Tumnus, I guess. <laughs> always a sheep, also always a shepherd. This means a priest must always keep their head on a swivel, as my old basketball coach used to say. Constantly looking at Jesus, chasing after him with all their might, and constantly looking back over their shoulder to see who else they can help along the way. This is the fundamental, the definitional priestly posture, to be with God with the people on their heart, so said Michael Ramsey. I know what you're thinking, you're thinking that's a lot. Does a priest really have to do all of that? I know also you're thinking this sermon is getting a little long and I hope he wraps it up soon. (laughs) So let's wrap it up right now. Does a priest really have to do all that? The answer to that is no, because a priest is not necessary. You can know God, you can worship God, you can become more like God all on your own. A priest is not necessary. but in my experience, the priest sure is helpful. Doesn't all of that sound helpful to you? Isn't life hard? Isn't following Jesus difficult? Couldn't you use someone like this in your life? Someone set aside to do just these things? Someone to set the stage for you to meet God without distraction? Someone to keep your soul clean? Someone to tell you the truth when no one else will? Someone to help you on your journey? What if I told you that's exactly what you're getting today? Not something you need, but a complete and utter gift. Someone who, for whatever reason, has decided to shape their whole life around helping you. Someone called a priest, and today, someone named Brandon. Brandon, please stand. Brandon, may you be a solid and beautiful piece of furniture in this place. May you be a winsome and fleet footed member of the backstage crew. May you be a gracious and courageous janitor. May you tell the truth with fear and trembling, but also with courage and grace. And may you keep your head on a swivel. Keep your eyes on Christ and keep your eyes on these people. May you be a gift to this place and to this world. May you be a priest. Amen.